Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our first sponsor, our favorite sponsor, and first sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us, help fund the movement, help support the movement. We all believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 105. Episode 105. Today we have another incredible family and friends guest episode back in the studio with us for a second time this week, the great Professor Penn. If you haven't already subscribed to the Professor Penn Pop podcast, get ready for the Hebrews podcast coming soon. Hebrews is a hit right now in the in the Please Call Me Crazy live chat. People are calling for the Hebrews podcast. And also back with us in the studio today for his second time, the great Dan Schultz. Dan Schultz, welcome back. Thank you. One of the Thanks leading, for having me. One of the leading minds around the precinct strategy, which is so vitally important right now in our country for saving the republic. Yeah. So thanks for being, being back with us, Dan. Thanks for being back with us, Professor Penn. Thank you. Before we went on live, we were talking a little bit about this illegal immigration in Mexico issue where in the last couple of days, Ayanna Presley was asked whether the border was secure or not by Jack Tapper. Is it Tap? Jake. Jake. Jake Tapper. Jakey, Jackie boy, Tapper. Tap dance Tapper. Even Tapper. I like that. Even Tapper had to look at her with some some awe and say, the, wait a minute, the border's open? Are, are you saying the border is, is secure? Right? I mean, he, even, he was, even he was vexed. I mean, he couldn't in good faith, in his own journalistic integrity, whatever small amount he still has left, in that small amount, he could not allow her to just outright say that the border was secure. <laughs> I mean, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Even your your establishment sellout, tote the party line, pitch the establishment narrative, cannot let whoa, that whoa, type of whoa. sentiment go unchecked. Whoa, whoa, whoa. slow down. For I just had a, uh, I had a revelation. Uh-huh. Would you say Congresswoman Ayanna Presley is a globalist? I'd just say she's a cunt. Beyond that. There is no beyond that for me because I'm a black man. So when I see black women do stuff like that, I mean, my mind just goes to the worst place imaginable. Could we set that aside just just for a second, sir? Yeah. Would you say she's on the globalist team? Forget about the personal, the globalist team. Yes, 100%. Then then there is no border crisis because there's no borders. Of course. There you go. Right. That's right. Yeah, there... The whole thing is a borderless society. You guys yeah. talk for a moment. I'm going to go uh, put my foot up this guy's ass, think he can bang on the walls next door. I told him he's going to be very helpful. Good morning, Dan. Yeah. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me again. It's uh, just a pleasure and a privilege to be on this broadcast. Well, we have a good thing going on here at Free People, and Free People Radio is what we call truth-seeking media. Free People is truth-seeking. Yeah. And for the people out there, you know, there's people out there that, presume that we say we know what the truth is. We're seeking the truth right. for two perspectives. First of all, getting the truth not easy, and the playing field's changing all the time. Right. And I and I want to tell that while we're waiting for Royce to come back, for those of you who don't know Dan, Dan started many years ago. What was 2000 and... I became a <clears throat> an active precinct committeeman in the Republican Party in 2007 as a volunteer to fill a vacancy. That My precinct had eight slots. Only three were filled, so I was the fourth. 
and then <clears throat> and then I became an elected precinct committeeman in 2008. I tried to help John McCain defeat Obama. That didn't work. And then when the Marxists got elected, I realized, holy crap, over half of these precinct committeeman slots are vacant. Maybe that had something to do with not getting out the vote like we should have for McCain uh, all across the country. Because I thought there was no way the American people would elect Obama. And then as I delved into it more, I saw, well, there were YouTube videos. They're still up where he was recruiting precinct committeemen all across the country. And then these newly recruited precinct committeemen would make YouTube videos for recruitment purposes. And that's how he got the, he got the, took the nomination away from Hillary Clinton. Uh, she got all the super delegates, but he got all the delegates, the non super uh, delegate delegates. And, um, Oh, sure, sure. Bring that mic okay. up to you a little bit. Yeah, thanks. How's that? Is that better? Yeah. It's good. Okay, sure. There, there you go. <clears throat> and so anyways, um, then I realized, yeah, the, the and I knew this from, from when I was growing up because I got taught it in seventh grade. But then I saw it, because, but I never followed through on being at PC because I was in the Army for a long time and it wasn't compatible with being in the Army. I could have, but... Um, I traveled a lot and, and so I, I never did it. And Reagan was president, you know, Carter, then Reagan, when Reagan came in, I thought, oh, country's been saved. Well, it was for a while. Um, and then we lost it again when Obama came in and, you know, we're living through Obama's third term right now, obviously. And there's a way to fix this. It's through those first three words in the preamble of the constitution. We, the people, if we, the people will get involved peacefully and take over the Republican Party. It's there for the taking. We only need 200,000 people to fill 200,000 vacancies. It will change the political landscape completely. And so that's why I wrote my little book. That's why I'm here today. I'm trying to encourage everybody out there who, you know, tonight there's going to be more Twitter spaces. And these people are going to talk and talk and talk about politics. We got to start doing politics. Well, you know the one thing like that, you're yeah. like you are, Royce. You're going to run for the U.S. Senate. Yes, and I'm going to help you win. And the way we're going to win is we're going to do it through the precinct committeeman strategy. We're going to get you the primary win for certain, and then we, we're, you're going to go on to the general with all those people we we have will have recruited, and we'll, and we'll also change the party so that the party will want to endorse you because it'll be staffed by. The apparatus will be filled with America firsters, unlike what it is now. Like before we came on, you were asking about it's Ayanna Presley. Yes, yeah, yeah, Ayanna yeah, Presley. Ayanna Presley yeah. And whether or not she was a globalist. Well, I, I was going to chime in. Yeah, she's a globalist, just like eighty percent of the RNC members are. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're not on our the team. The RNC established the RNC. The hundred hundred and sixty eight members of the RNC, eighty percent of them at least are globalists. Completely abjunct, completely disconnected from the voter base. Yep. Right. Would you say mm-hmm. uh, 80, 80 to 80, around 80% the, the, the voter base is the exact opposite? Exact opposite. Around 80% of the voter base understand the idea of nationalist populism. Absolutely. They're MAGA. The MAGA patriots understand the idea or the importance of America first national right. policy. Right. They understand it, but they're all thinking like most, well, if I just make sure I vote next time, 
that'll solve things. And mm-hmm. that ain't going to solve things. What, what that person needs to do is Then they say, get mad at the RNC when the RNC lays an egg with anything that has to do with post-election well, challenges and whatever. That too. And, the, and they're head fake right now. If you go to, if you go to GOP.com right now, the, the latest head fake is now up front and center, and it's called the Republican Leadership Initiative. They couldn't even come up with a new name this time because they've used that name in the past. And it basically says, we're going we're gonna to recruit all of these young people to be field organizers. And so send us your resume. And they're going to throw all this money at these field organizers. Well, the field organizers are the precinct committeemen. And 200,000 of those field organizing slots. Oh, that, are, that's... Let's get yeah. delve into that because yeah. what they're yeah, really doing. But they doing, don't want to recruit, and they're not going to recruit the field because organizers. the America Firsters are inside the wire. Yep, and they're making it here in Minnesota because I am an officer here. They know that the America Firsters are inside the wire because we kind of crept in, and I'll tell you why we crept in. We hadn't really realized the rot and the facts of the case in the party when I went into the party. I didn't go in with the idea that it was a corrupt, globalist, anti-American citizen, anti-human well-being, materialist nightmare. I went in with, I'm going to serve my party. Right. And I actually went in and started programs in pure service to the party to build the party. And for a long time on my podcast, I would joke about Mr. We Don't Do That Here, who is a RNC committee man. And then we have... We don't do what? We don't do politics? Right. No yes, politics. Right, right. right. And then we had uh, Mr. We don't need any more Republicans mm-hmm. who runs a congressional district. Mm-hmm. And then we had the chairman said, hey, we don't want people mixing together from different districts. They shut down everything I was doing. And I said, hey, you know, if you don't want me to do it for you, no problem. I know me... I would always stay close to my enemies. But these people, they know they have control of the levers of power, and they're very arrogant about it. I'd like you to share, or I can share your story. I urged Royce to become a precinct committee man as a leader because he's, as we said the last time, you gave him the compliment. He's the only candidate who has consistently promoted this very critical strategy. So I said, Royce, why don't you become a precinct committee man? So he sends in... uh, applications to try to get a contact from the Republican Party of Minnesota. And because I'm on the inside, I watch them block you. Mm. Great. Right. Right. That's what it's come down to. Yeah. This is what's going Uh on. This is why the precinct strategy is so important. Right. And it's not everybody. I mean, there's 75 million people out there that voted for Donald Trump, maybe more, give or take a few million. I don't know. But the reality is we only need a very, very small percentage of people to get in there to change the... the, the Three-tenths of one percent of the 75 of of the seventy-five million. And you know what's and so... You're the, and then you're like, you're a ball player. Yeah. Like Bannon likes to say, you got a seat at the table. And like I like to say, don't just be a donor to the party because that's what they want you to be. Just give us the money. We're the experts. We'll win mm-hmm. the elections. Mm-hmm. A Republican leadership initiative. We'll hire all these people and field organizers. Mm-hmm. They'll get it done. Mm-hmm. Just give us money. No, we got to... We got to become an an owner of the party. We need to own the party, and there's a way to do it, and it's the precinct committee strategy. You know, it's really funny. This reminds me when I when I started, I I started something called the master classes because I I thought, well, if I call it precinct committee man strategy, 
they'll go to the site and they'll make it as a America First site and they'll shut it down. So I started at the master class. Well, they figured it out because they they shut they they choked it off. And then right away, these very uni party, well healed, mm. financed organizations all of a sudden started saying, we gotta do the precinct strategy. But they're not doing it from an American first perspective. Right. They're doing it from we're gonna keep control. So who are these people? Well, I'm no longer kind about it. I was kind for a long time. I'm radical as I can be about who these yeah, people are it, and what it, they're up to. It's a now. war. I mean, it's you know, um, I said it. I think on my podcast yesterday or the day before. You know, uh, or or maybe wrote to a guy who contacted me. You know, it's not politics is is not for the faint-hearted. It's it's warfare. It's 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 war by peaceful means, and we're in a war. We're in a political war. We're in a, a geopolitical war as well. But inside the country, within the Republican Party itself, there's a war going on. And we can win it, but we need more troops. And it's all numbers. And so if we fill up those 200,000 with America Firsters, they'll join with the 100,000 already in and outnumber the rhinos. They've got about 100,000. We'll outnumber them three to one. Can I make a pitch? Yeah. Just a blatant pitch. Yeah. You're a great candidate. You know, I've spent so much time talking to you, and uh, we're different ages, but I really respect your political acumen, and because you understand this, anyone that's watching in Minnesota that's listening to this and is willing to step up and devote a very minimal amount of time to saving the republic, Let's get in touch with the campaign. Let's help Minnesotans get into their precincts, become precinct committee men, become Royce White delegates. Exactly. We exactly. need we need Minnesotans, if we're going to get Royce the endorsement of the Republican Party, which is going to be shot heard around the world. Around the world. Yep. We need Minnesotans that love God, love country, and love family to contact the campaign. And we're going to work with you. And this is another thing that we're doing together. Would you say, my read, let me just make a nice statement. I think the Republican Party is run as a secret society. In fact, in response to my efforts here, they actually put lockdowns on all their committee man meetings. Hmm. So oh, yeah. now sure. you can't even find out what these districts and what the state are, is doing because, like me saying, I know before they pass this new these new rules, I watched them block you from the party participation. So, but now, if it happened today, and let's say it was a, a, a historical event today, if I said that, they would come after me and they'd be able to bounce me out of the party. Yeah. So my, my point is it's a secret society. It's getting more secretive because they're circling the wagons. And what we're going to do, the three of us, and particularly you as a leader, we want every Minnesotan, every Mississippian, every Floridian, every Oregonian, we want them to know exactly how to function effectively within the party. That's why go to precinctstrategy.com because Dan has created a tutorial about how to get in the game of politics. Yeah, and, the, and then the other thing is, the, um, the good news is, <clears throat> I've told you this story about Robert Beatles. Um, 
who built our communications and collaboration platform. That's the second button at my website. Connect with other conservatives in your state. You sign up, you get on it, and there's an 11-minute tutorial that shows you how to work it. It's very similar to Telegram now. Mm. So it's easy to use. You can set up private chat rooms, public chat rooms. What we need to do is get every America firster who's already in the party and then all those that we recruit onto this platform so that, for example, down in Florida, they're doing ban the jab resolutions. So as soon as one passed, it was the first one was in Lee County, 11 different counties have passed a ban the jab resolution calling on DeSantis and his legislature, ban these bioterrorism weapons, Mm -hmm. ban them. You have the power to do it. Can't let this go on anymore in Florida. Well, I set up a, a chat room, ban the jab resolution, public, took the resolution from Lee County, put it in the file folder. Now, others around the country, if they're looking for a, a, a resolution, now, people aren't using the site to its full extent yet, but once they get it that, oh, okay, um, now they're passing resolutions in some states to close the primaries where mm-hmm. you have open primaries because we don't want Democrats voting in our primary. We want Republicans voting in the Republican primary. You set up a chat room, put the, the text of the resolution. Now, any other PC in any county across the country can grab that, take that to their next meeting, submit it, and see if they can get it voted on and approved. And now that starts to spread like wildfire. We've got to get organized and united outside the party into America First caucuses with until we gain a majority. Then then we don't need a caucus anymore. Right. But in the meantime, we build our caucus. So if they're trying to shut us out, well, we just meet online monthly ourselves. I, th- I think this you know? is an idea that is in its infancy. I think I understand Dan's dream. I think what Dan is sh- suggesting is that a million people could congregate on this platform. Absolutely, easily. And then we could be promoting content It's and completely ideas. scalable. That's exactly, yeah. you know, and w- this is something that all the American firsters need to consider. And I'll tell you, thank you for listening, Royce, but like in my Senate district where I'm an officer, mm-hmm. I clip about seven of the people out by just not letting them be rude to me because it, it had gotten to the point where, well, I said this on the last podcast, they were virulently anti-Semitic some of these people. And I just finally, I put up with it for a year and finally I said, that's it. The woman that said, uh, you people abandon your children. Remember that woman? Mm. I dumped on her. Oh my God. Mm. Oh no, this is a, oh, this is a great story. Can I tell, (laughs) can I tell this story? Please. And then we'll we'll let you take that. Proceed. I'm having a ball. So we we were, (laughs) we, we have this meeting where we were trying to put together this group and, and, uh, this was early on in my days of declaring for Congress and getting involved with the party. Well, how this thing started was, is I, I, I said, I'm going to start going to a coffee shop every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and let's see who shows up. Mm-hmm. And after a few months, we had about 20, 25 people. And that was the germ seed of this political uh, organization that we've got going here outside the party and inside the party. And Royce and I developed, were developing a, a good working relationship and a friendship. And because he was running for Congress, he always sat at the head of the table. And uh, we had redistricting here. And so I had a new group of people that I unfortunately had to go get involved with. So that, you know, I invited them because, hey, we're not hiding. And two ladies walked in 
and they sat down nice, and we were happy to see them. We were all happy to see them. We we welcomed them. Yeah. Royce was welcomed. We didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. We're we're not thugs. I mean, we're we're friendly people. Gentlemen. Ge- a gentleman, exactly. And we were all kind of sitting in because we were trying to meet him like, hey, nice to meet you. And I said, God, just the word God. I mean, I wasn't praying. It was not, just came out. I and one of them looked at me and she goes, is that a litmus test? And I said, what do you mean a litmus test? I said, it's not a litmus test. I'm, it's a word. I'm, I mean, it's not a, there's no, and she, out of nowhere, complete non sequitur leaned in towards Royce and she goes, the reason I'm for abortion is because you people abandon your children. Oh and it was God. all men other than, and we all just like a ghost had entered the room or some kind of ghoul. Mm-hmm. It just freaked yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to put up with this for well, what I, what, what was, what was my, but, well, that's how the meeting started. By the end, she had softly come over to my side of the table. Well, that was because my, my juxtaposition to her was, are you, are you comfortable getting all the goods in your house from China? You want to talk about morality? Yeah. How you feel about that? How you feel about what China did did, did the uh, ch- uh, female children? Right. And thus ne- and so. And what she say? I never thought of that. Yeah, right. Of course you didn't. Cunt. Get the fuck out of here. Well, I actually re- yeah. I removed her because every time we'd have a meeting, and I try to talk, and I I try to speak eloquently. I don't think I'm inarticulate. Yeah. yeah. She'd be rolling her eyes and yawning and me. And I put up with it. And then one these, day, these people are so arrogant in their in their in their ignorance. It's 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 and it's gotten to the point where I was going to say about the precinct strategy. Before we talk about the strategy, we have to discuss and and consider the will of the people. You know the the brilliance of the we the people in the in the preamble. Yes. Focuses on what is probably the most miraculous and and gifted thing to human beings is free will. I talked about this on my podcast over the week. Some is like. The whole reason, you hear this a lot when discussions of God come into any public forum is, you know, free will or predestination. And people have trouble understanding that free will is and was given as a mechanism to to human beings to be able to express a genuine love towards God. That you can't have a genuine love towards God through tyranny. Right. You can be you, you, just like you can't be, just like you can't be forced to respect somebody. You can be forced to act like you respect people. You can be forced to act like you like somebody or love somebody. But love and respect comes naturally. Comes now, we're getting, now it's starting to sound like yeah. the military. <laughs> well, what I'm, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is what I, what I'm saying is the reason why free will is so important from a Christian lens is because it's meant for us to develop a genuine love for God. And that could span over a long period of time. Humans go through all of these ups and downs, ebbs and flows, weaving around. But free will is a central part of being human. Oh, absolutely. The will of the people, that's what we got to discuss first. These, the, people, these the, people complain about, being a Repub- about the Republican Party all the time. They complain about the Republican Party all the time and in reality. You could be in the party. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I see it all the time from people who are MAGA, from people who say they're America first, from people who say they're voting for Ron DeSantis or whatever their their faction is of this movement. There's all this this common complaint about the Republican Party. And I just think to myself, 
why aren't you people in the party? Right, exactly. Black people too. Black people go, well, the Republicans are, are racist no, or it's all Republican. white supremacy. Why don't you fit? Why don't you come in and change it? You're well, more I mean, than right. welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's there for the taking. Yeah. 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 I mean, how, how white supremacist could it be if 50,000 black people joined the party? How about, yeah. It's just uh, a basic math deal. How about 100,000? It's just basic math. I mean, you know, you know I, don't, it, I, don't, I don't buy it. That's from, my point. From the insidious part of myself, I just hope 200,000 black people come in the party. They, yeah. I don't think they oh, can. It, it, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, right. That's right. right. Yeah. I want right. to just comment on one thing just because I think it, it's a interesting content for the podcast, and it's an interesting idea. You made a comment about, um, from a Christian perspective, mm. people are given the opportunity with free will to love God. Mm. Well, take it down to its Jewish roots. Uh, people are given an opportunity to finish creation. Mm. From the Jewish theology, there's a concept called tikkun olam, that the work of the world is unfinished. And human beings can create it as a heaven or a hell. Make a decision and live with your decision. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. what that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to create the work yeah. of creation to make a beautiful republic, one nation under God. That's what we're working at here. Where are all the people that have faith? And this lady that you're talking about, she's not the only one. I mean, the, you know, you got your guy, the the physicist, who's a high-level donor in the Republican Party who says he agrees with Margaret Sanger. Poor women shouldn't have kids, uh, you know, so on and so on. I mean, these people are deeply inside the wire. They're, Dar they're Darwinists yeah, to the max. To the max, yeah, absolutely. And threatening. That, 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 was, uh, that was an interesting story. Threatening? Yeah. Oh, they threatened me. For sure. I, I, I feel more, from my vantage point, I think they're threatened. Well, they are, but yeah. when people are afraid, yeah. cornered, they act out. Cornered rats lash out. That's they right. lash out. That's good. Sure. Yes. We should, let them, we oh. should corner them. Absolutely. You want them to lash out. I don't, what, I'm, I'm less afraid of them lashing out, and I'm more afraid of them being able to hide. Well, they're not hiding anymore. They know why? Because yeah. we see them. Yeah. They were never hiding. We see them now. We didn't see them. I, I tell this story all the time. When people get into this bash the RNC thing, mm -hmm. I just say, raise your hand if you voted for George W. Bush. Yeah. Right. You were working for John McCain. That's a hell of an admission. Yeah. I guess you're only good or bad by comparison. Right, right. But it was a pretty thin choice, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, it, uh, when I went for, to my first meeting, I stood up. They, uh, they asked everybody who was new, and I think there was three of us who were new. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I stood up and I said, <clears throat> I'm a... I'm a Fred head, Fred Thompson guy. I said, I hate John McCain. Um, I want Thompson to get the nomination. I said, if you look up, you know, um, <clears throat> Attila the Hun in the dictionary, my picture's there. And that's how to the right I am. But I said, I'm this kind of a conservative. I'm a conservative in the primary. I'm a Republican in the general. God forbid if John McCain gets the nomination, I will work my tail off to try to get him elected. And I did try. Uh, I tried to be a delegate to the state convention. I didn't get elected because I was new and everybody else, because it was, you know, Arizona's favorite son, they all wanted to be at the convention. So I didn't get to, I had to sit in the spectator, uh, slot. Um, and, um, I, and that is who I am. If I don't care who the Republican nominee is, he's our guy, the, our, the party as a whole decided that's the guy. And if it turns out to be DeSantis, I don't think it will be. I'll try to get DeSantis elected because the alternative, um, 
at least we got a, a shot if the guy has an R after his name or Gail for that matter, like uh, Haley. Um, but, um, but you got to be in the ball game and we can completely change. We could you're saying, have completely. You're saying we have a shot because the internal party politics can lean on that individual ab- absolutely. to get them to, to acquiesce to more America first policies. Yes. And, and think of this, every election, presidential election year, two thirds of the RNC slots are up for grabs because the national committee men and the national committee woman are elected at the state conventions by the delegates. Mm-hmm by the delegates. So you want to become a delegate. If we, if we, let's say DeSantis were to get the nomination, but America firsters overwhelmingly were the delegates in all the states, then the overwhelmingly the two thirds national committee men, national committee women from the 50 states, the five territories in DC will be America firsters as well. The RNC will have completely changed. Well, your Royce is very and aware. Then, of, he's very and aware then of if DeSantis yeah. comes in and says, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, those, that two thirds, along with the new state chairs that have been elected in about 10 different states all across the country, they're a, now they've got like 75% of the total number of the 168. And they can speak with one voice and tell that president, we want to back you, but we're not going to back you, and we're going to criticize you if you do X, Y, Z. If you don't do X, Y, Z, good. Then we'll support you because they, once they're in, you know, they want to get you know, reelected well, no matter what. what. What Dan is talking about, what you're talking about, is the vision. This is what we're praying. We're believing that we're going to receive this, and we'll have it because we have a candidate, Royce White. So again, allow me to pitch. If you're in Minnesota. What Dan is saying is if you go to your caucus and get elected That's as a Royce February 27th. February 27th and become a Royce White delegate and let us know you're doing it so we can work with you in yep. the campaign because we want to know you. You'll meet Royce. We'll come see you. It's not like we want to use you. This is a movement. We are a political movement in Minnesota. You're not being used you're being loved and embraced, and you're going to be part of something. You're going to have a stake in the game. Then you go to your Senate district convention, your mm-hmm. your your party convention, and you get elected as a Senate district delegate. Now you're a Royce White delegate to the state convention. Not only can you vote to endorse Royce as the Republican candidate, but as Dan was just saying, when there's elections for the RNC committee person slots, Oh, 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 this is an achievement that we it, could uh, all part can completely change the Republican. That's party. right. And for all the people that <laughs> are sheer numbers, chicken wing uh, parties and that. No, we're not doing chicken wing parties. We'll have a party when we win. And that will be a jam. But our we got to win. Our good young friend, Jesse Smith, Action of Liberty, said it the best. He's our social club Republicans yep. that run the RNC and the Republican, Republican Party right now. And all we got to do is go in to change it. All right. the people out there. I mean, you just got to go in and, and do it. I mean, that's what, and that's why I said we have our meetings, our weekly political meetings, and I said to everybody at the table, we all know what needs to be done. The question is, who's going to do it? Right. We know what needs to be done now. Everybody around the country knows what needs to be done. There, a lot of people are just hoping for somebody uh, else will do it. A play, yeah. They're hoping for somebody else to 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 bridge the gap, to to make amends, and 
make things right again. Go back to normal. It's never going back to normal unless we go out and do it. Right. right. It's, a, it's a fine line because, you know, I think we're pretty entertaining, but we're not doing it to be entertaining. Mm. We're no. doing it. We no. just have some style when we're talking with each other. The point of this, while you're here, while you're here and why I'm here, is pure political action. We want to, we don't know who's listening that's going to get up today and say, I'm in. Get in touch with the campaign. Be a delegate. It takes so little. This is the frustrating part to me. I'm not asking people to be like Professor Penn and go 24-7 or Dan Schultz going 24-7, and you've been doing it for over a decade, two decades almost, right? Well, 14 years, I guess. Yeah. We, that's not required. From my perspective in Minnesota. I take that back. 16, 16 years. 16 years. Wrong. Okay. 16 years. You know, yeah. we're not asking for a 100% commitment of your time. We're asking for how much time is this? I, I, when I recruit, I say, I'm only going to ask you for three hours a month just because you want to go to the meetings, the monthly meetings. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you're going to learn how to do all the stuff that I'll teach you as well that I put in my book, have on my website. I'll, we'll, we'll learn it at the, at the meetings. We'll get you together with the other precinct committeemen in your precinct, and, we'll, and you'll learn how to work together to boost turnout and change the party from within. Um, three hours a month, that's maybe 30 minutes, let's say, to drive to the meeting, a two-hour meeting, another half hour to go home. That's a total commitment of three hours a month. And then, and then at the time of the primary, if you, you're hot on a candidate and want to get somebody elected in the primary, you work the primary, but then we work the general as well. Again, three hours a month of getting out the vote, and I have a system on how to boost turnout, and it works. That's all, that's all I'm asking is three hours a month. Most people can do three hours a month, they'll, and, and they'll do the three hours if they— um, Three hours a no, month to save the republic. To save the republic. And the other great thing about— How about, about to save themselves? Yeah, do it well, selfishly. It is. You it do is. it selfishly. Of course, of course. Right, let's— Let's break it down. Well, I got to say one more thing, though, Please, about, about this, and that is <clears throat> the other great thing about where do you think, who do you think comes to those monthly meetings? The, the, the candidates come because they want the precinct committeeman, they want the precinct committeeman to help them. And you can eyeball those candidates. You can point your finger at them. You can ask them hard questions. If they try to run out of the room, you yell at them and say, get back in here. You came here to be our guest. Stay here and answer some of our questions. And what I've never been a legislative district committee chairman, but if I was, the way I would handle candidates, and I know some who do this, you want to come and speak to our precinct committeeman? You get a minute. And then the rest of the time, you get a minute to tell them who you are. One minute. After that, you have to take their questions. Great. Those are the ground, ground rules. Most of the chairs, oh, yeah, come. And then they let them motor mouth. And they say whatever they want to say, and then they say, oh, by the way, i got to go. And out the door they go, and you never get to ask them any questions. Mm. So I try to, I try to get the, my, like my legislative district chair. He's doing what I advocate. Candidates come, they get a minute, and then precinct committee we get to ask them because they represent the voters in their precinct. And They're so, public servants. Yes. Yep, yep. I'm a public servant. Well, right. here's how we do it here in Minnesota. We're told by our chair not to do politics. Leave that for the smart people. We want you out knocking on doors, red dialing, and going to chicken wing parties and donating money. Don't think too much. Leave that for the... The experts. The experts, yeah. that's correct. Mm. John Kyle said the same thing to a bunch of us once at a meeting. 
said, you, you people don't run anything. We're the people who run everything. You're supposed to help us get elected because we're, we're in the game. Bull crap. You serve us. And then he retired after that when he started to get pushback from me and others. I, I actually, I donated to his camp, his reelection campaign, John Kyle's former Senator, John Kyle. He promised to, uh, close off illegal immigration. Mm -hmm. Then he became part of the, they called it the gang of eight McCain, him, Lindsey Graham, a few others in the Senate. And they were going to do comprehensive immigration reform. That, this was you know, like 10 years, 10, 12 years ago. So <clears throat> I wrote to him and to his campaign. And I said, I want my money back. <laughs> you lied. You lied. That's great. They, they mailed me a check. Did they? Yep. That's... I still, I still have the check. I never, I never cashed it. Um, they gave me my money back. Wow. That's the, they think they're above us. It's just the opposite. We're above them, but we don't act like it because we're not organized and united. And now with this communications and collaboration platform, we can get organized and united online all across the country and then locally as well. Unions of citizens. Yes. Oh, that's yep. what it is. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, this is, this is, you're hitting on something that's so critical. The whole party structure is inverted. Yeah. The whole thing's inverted. The most important it's a person. a top-down Ponzi scheme. That's it's like a, the mafia. It's a scam. Yep. The most important person in America is you who are listening and watching who is an American citizen. What we've done is, as American citizens, is we've allowed power to be aggregated up line because we haven't taken our responsibility to self-govern. Yeah. Right. And that's what it is in every congressional district and in every precinct in the country. It's the precinct captain is the master of the ship. Convenience is the death of freedom. Yep. Free People Radio thanks you for watching and listening tonight. And this is Professor Penn here for GhostBed. That's GhostBed.com. So let me tell you why I love this product. Professor Penn has problems sleeping. That's right. I have problems sleeping, and you might too. So there is nothing more important than getting a mattress, a mattress that helps me sleep. That's why I love GhostBed.com. Go there. Go to GhostBed.com, upward slash Royce, and use promo code Royce for 50% off on the whole catalog. And when I say the whole catalog, they got a lot more than mattresses. They got sheets. They got pillows. And what makes it super cool for me personally is they got super cooling technology that helps you get through the night without sweating. That's right. There's nothing worse than waking up in a pool of my own sweat. That's why I love Ghost Bed. Their products help me sleep through the night cool and safe and calm. So go to ghostbed.com. Upward slash Royce, promo code Royce for 40% off site-wide. And thank you very much for watching. Okay, let's go. Let's talk about something fun. All right. right. If you guys don't join the precinct strategy, respectfully, you're a cuck. Dan will say it a little bit more friendly. The great Professor Penn will explain it a little bit nicer. Me, I'm just going to say flat out, if you don't join the precinct strategy or if you don't go and get involved in the party, you have no real right to complain online. Yeah. I mean, this whole jerk off where we complain online and say, oh, oh, the Republicans are bad, too. They're in on it, too. You can go into a party. Hey, you can go into a party and change the face and politics of the party. Do it. Can I say one before we go to something fun? Mm -hmm. This is very important. Dan and I are alive. That's why we're hanging out here with you. Mm -hmm. But the average age in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party is about 462 years old. Yeah. 
And in the Democrat Party, they're doing the same thing that the Republican Party is doing because they're shutting out Bobby Kennedy. Same exact thing, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're young, watching Royce White, if you're 25, 30 years old, 35 years old, you're the people we are asking to chasing we'll work with you we'll tell you everything you'll be educated Stop thinking older people are going to get this done it's about i right. said That's, they're not i yeah. said on my pocket i'm done with old people i'm done well i'm not done with old people i am old people are fine you're fine you go ahead but young people should not rely upon right. the uh, you shouldn't shouldn't rely on this idea that old people that some older wiser person is in a position that's going to press the button and say it's gone too far that's not going to happen, That's obviously, right? Because right. DC has had this age, you know, this this sort of age distor distortion for a long time now, for too long. Yeah, it's been a long time since we had really young politicians. How long? When was the last time we had very young politicians on aggregate in DC? The last one that moved the needle was Kennedy. No, I'm not just one politician. I'm saying where the politicians themselves were at a younger age per per person. 1776. There you go. Yeah. That's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. You might get us deplatformed. <laughs> oh, and Shoyer's well, no. going to jail for, for referencing. You can't reference 1776 anymore. Isn't that great? That's what the the the, the same DC, corrupt DC elite have have tried to lay out. Is you can't you can't even reference America's founding values or principles. Well, let me they're then, all then let me modify in case, they're, in case they're listening. How about 1945? No, you can't take it back now. Just just eat it. Every it, time there's ahead. a war, and those soldiers come back off Just the Just say field. it, 1776. You can't, you can't run from it now. I'm there's, not running. You said it. I'm saying We're not after, editing it. After a war, yeah. when those soldiers come back from being in field, yeah. they come back with sacred honor. They've seen their friends die, mm -hmm. and they get involved in society, and that's why we had a first turning from 45 to 65. Yes. And we were born in that first turning. So we both of us have this memory of America being a righteous place because it had a moment of righteousness before it was quickly perverted. But there was a moment. Well, to turn back to this Ayanna Presley thing, I want to talk about this. I think we have a good, a good, we had a good conversation brewing here about, about immigration and immigration policy, immigration ideology before we started the podcast. And um, it's shocking that people voted for her. And I guess we have to we have to consider, you know, who's counting the votes where around the country. That's all up in the air too. Yeah. And I keep saying that, you know, for those who look at the precinct strategy and say, oh well, you know, they cheat anyway. They cheat anyway. It's such a weak, weak excuse. If people cheat you, go to your local basketball game, football game, go go hang out with some athletes who are gonna tell you the the the, the the cultural norm in sports is if you get cheated, you play as hard as you can to let everybody who was there know when they leave that you were cheated. You make them feel cheated. And that's why this election is as, as much spiritual and cultural as it is mathematical and material. And we got to fight both wars at the same time. Yes, you better go join the precinct strategy. But don't be don't be thinking if 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 they jimmy rig the election across the country that all is lost. Because if we the people feel feel cheated spiritually at the end of that election, that's a win. That's a huge win. Because now the next time you now you start to build that momentum. The main problem with the rigging of the election is people are so laissez-faire about American politics. People get cheated. We don't know which way they're cheating. 
Maybe the Republicans have been involved. I mean, well, they are involved in the election rigging. They have been involved in election rigging. If we say there's a uniparty, we accept that yep. premise. Then we know that there's an involvement with the integrity of the election on both sides. But, you know, it, the problem is everybody walks away from it and goes, oh, well, you know, that's politics. That's D.C. I mean, you know, it is what it is. We can't change that. It's America. You know, all these sort of cliche, uh, you know, turns of phrase that are just complacency. So, you know, with the with the immigration piece, let's talk Ayanna Presley and just the idea that people would vote for somebody who says that the border is secure. I mean, who in their right mind could say that the border's secure? I, I don't even know. You know, border, <clears throat> from a certain lens of description, the border is secure. And she's announcing that to the country with Jake Tap Dancer. We have to get our minds wrapped around who these people really are. And I'm mm. going to tell a personal story. Mm -hmm. My mother, my mother worked for a legal aid society for 20 years. All she did was work through the system, providing protection for illegal immigrants. They're super organized. These are very educated people in the institutions who have figured out how to use law and immigration to destroy what they view as an illegitimate Christian country that's what they're doing i mean that it's it, from it has their, nothing to do with the immigrants it has everything to do with the immigrants no i mean it's 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 not it has nothing to do with the wealth and prosperity or well-being of the immigrants no from their perspective it does because they see that the countries these people are immigrating from mm -hmm. are very very poor you know just ruined countries mm -hmm. how they got ruined is irrelevant to the purposes of the immigration. The fact is, if life was good there, they wouldn't leave. Mm -hmm. They're leaving because life is no good. Somebody made their life no good, which is part of this scam. But they're coming here. No, well, that is the central part of the scam. The that's part of the scam, for sure, yeah. Well, I think that's like the, the foundation of the scam is the governments that they're running from are the same government we're trying to institute here. The same government those people are trying to institute here. They're yeah. here. Socialist, they're, communist, totalitarian governments, crony, cr corrupt, crony, crony capitalist elected officials is what those people are presumably running from, isn't it? I heard Ayanna Presley says they, they, some of them are running from uh, climate emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're moving the chains because they. It's raining. No, well, no, this is, this is how smart they are. They're reading the tea leaves. They're very good at reading the tea leaves. Why? Because all of the big tech oligarchs and, and, and the algorithms and the data of what people are watching and, and consuming and sharing, forwarding, being a force multiplier for, all the content, the, the narrative, the cultural narrative and the content, they have a very good pulse on. And they know that one of the, one of the bulletproof uh, uh, contradictions that's being pointed out by red-pilled conservatives and, and patriots is stop telling us these these Venezuelans or these Guatemalans are are running from these countries for any other reason other than socialist, communist, totalitarian style governments. So it's not good enough for them, which is why they need to come here. But you want to institute one here over all of us. I'm seeing it all across the Internet. People are pointing this. The Cubans are a great example, which is why the, a lot of Cubans, Latinos for Trump is popping up in Florida mainly. Because they, they detest 
socialism and communism in their in their cultural history. And these new but these new immigrants that are coming, you know, uh, I, I don't necessarily know what the makeup is, but but no matter how you slice it, a corrupt government's a corrupt government, and Mexico is one of them as well, right? I mean, even the Mexican people are, and we were talking about before, uh, and I said, and I've said before on the podcast, I'd annex Mexico. And I thought it was funny when they, they came out with that article where Donald Trump had asked some of his advisors a, a strategy for both Canada and Mexico. Because if you're in a global four-player jump ball yeah. with the European Finocchios, China, and Russia, and everybody's going to take the land closest to them, Russia, Ukraine, the old Soviet you know, Federation, China, Taiwan, South Korea. If, you know, if worse goes to worse, I'm not saying we abandon anybody. Although if we're going to abandon somebody, the Ukraine better be first. Yeah. And I'd actually abandon the European Finocchios before I did my position in the Pacific. But the point is, in that jump ball, Canada is a threat. Canada becomes a threat to the United States. You mean those people that are putting WAP and SS Absolutely, in those front of people. the parliament yes. for a for a rousing standing O, the Waffen SS. You know, they're yeah. they must be right with us, yeah. Canadians. They're a threat, and and Mexico's a threat as well, right? The Mexican government, not the Mexican people, right? And I think this conversation gets distorted because of the illegal immigrants. I mean, we all kind of feel this immediate uh, uh, proximity to, to danger and threat from the physical people who are coming here. I'm more concerned about the implications of their government and, and how dangerous they are. And I think that's the responsibility of the federal government and elected officials. Maybe we should just annex it. Because the whole, the, whole, the whole scam here is one that we don't protect Canada and Mexico anyway. That, that they're, not, uh, um, they're not in our stewardship anyway. Geopolitically, they're under our stewardship. Yeah. I mean, that's just clear. So if we're, if we're their protectorate anyway, the 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 it's does, that, does that mean we're in business with the drug cartels if we're in, if well i was in, just about to get there we're only they're only they're only separate from us in a formality in many ways and then we get to pretend like the drug trade is this this byproduct of organic illegal immigration like the drug trade is on the back of the illegal immigration problem no it's not no it's not the american military is overseeing the drug trade whether you say they're letting them over the fence of free of their own free volition or they're helping them logistically. Either way, why are we allowing our DC elites to pretend that this is an organic issue? It's a it's a it's an intentional issue. I mean, right. it's an intentional problem. So we annex it. Now we have the authority that many say is is illegal, is we're breaking sovereign, you know, we're we're invading a sovereign country. Yeah, okay, make Mexico a state. Now we we have federal jurisdiction over them. Let me up. Let and me. many of the Mexicans would would I think okay, let's put it this way. It puts everybody out there on the table. If you're immigrating from Guatemala because Guatemala's so bad and people are immigrating in so in so much mass that we're having an immigration issue here, if we go down there and we're going to get rid of the corrupt Guatemalan government for you so that you can live freely in your own country, wouldn't you rather have that? I mean, it kind of tells you what people are really chasing. And if the Guatemalans are chasing the radical materialism that's developed here in America, then th that is not a proper means for immigration. If you're actually fleeing, fleeing tyranny, those countries are in fact actually probably a danger to us as well in this global jump ball. These are decisions that have to be made. I don't like the narrative around this. It's too cookie cutter. 
I mean, we're going to do one thing or the other. Either we're going to go put the, the spotlight on all of these places and say, hey, are you a threat to the United States and the idea of freedom or not? If you are, we're no longer going to play protectorate over you. But the reason we do is we like those countries poor. We like those countries with autocratic leaders. We like a lot of countries with autocratic leaders when it benefits us. Same in the Middle East. We, we, love, we love it when, you know, France loves Africa to be poor and, and, and run by some, some corrupt warlord tribesmen. They love it that way. I mean, are we, tell me what you think. I, well, the United States has a long history, and I think you're going to agree with me and disagree if you do, of intervening into governmental affairs of countries all over the world on election issues, on election issues. If you go to Wikipedia, you don't have to turn over a lot of rocks. You just have to go to Wikipedia and put in election interference. Mm -hmm. And I think it's 58 printed pages of governments intervening in other governments' elective processes. Mm -hmm. In other words, this is a skill that has been developed over 100 years. It's a body of work. It's a body of work. So there's very clear evidence of the uh, U.S. government intervening in all kinds of Central and South American countries for 100 years. Mexico reminds me of exactly what all the Democrat deep blue districts and territories in, in America are trying to become. Heavy, heavy on gun laws. Heavy, heavy crime that can disguise the corruption of the government. That's what Mexico is. Nobody can own a gun. Only people who own guns are the Mexican military and the cartels. And the cartels, yep. Yeah. I mean, this is the problem with, with the places with the strictest gun laws have the most violent and dangerous, uh, uh, you know, communities. This is who the Democrats are trying to become. This is a, they're trying to make cities here that way. Now it's a little different because we have this, the Second Amendment. And that's why they're working so hard to get rid of the Second Amendment. If we didn't have the Second Amendment, America wouldn't be this egalitarian uh, uh, Scandinavia. The last bastion. It'd be Mexico. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think Democrats and many conservatives who are soft around the Second Amendment issue have this idea that if we, if we stopped having the Second Amendment and this proliferation of firearms in America, we'd become some egalitarian, technocratic uh, utopia. No, we're going to become Mexico. Because your criminals are still going to have guns, and that you you can't get rid of the guns. There there'd be no initiative you could put together that would be able to collect, confiscate, and melt down the guns that we have now in America. There's too many. So what you're effectively saying is you're going to put guns, more guns, a constraint of guns in the arms of in, in the hands of the most violent and psychopathic people, and leave all of us to what duck dodge the bullets. This this makes no sense. So why why would we let Mexico do it? If we're going to go fight a war in the Ukraine. And we're willing to break Russia's sovereign. We're not going to get the Congress to officially declare a war. We're going to give aid to the Ukraine. We're going to continuously try and push on Russia's perceived border, whatever they perceive their border to be. We're willing to penetrate that border. But we're going to let Mexico become the, the most violent, crime-ridden place. And there, there, are no, there, are no, um, there are no bridges with, with 12 dead bodies beheaded and skinned hanging in, in, in the Dunbass. Right. That's not a reality. I mean, it, and I'm Mexican. So to act like there's not a perversion of, of criminality and violence south of the border is, is just naive. 
everybody knows that the cartels are are the are some of the most violent, some of the most violent human beings on the planet. Mass graves, 50 people, 60 people beheaded over coke, over money. I mean, this is radical materialism at its finest. I don't know. I think we should go down with with I think we should 90 days, we should go go down and take cut a deal with the Mexican government. Put the Mexican government on the on the hot seat. Let's find out where they really are. But my sense is we know where they really are because where they are is pretty close to where we are. It's beneficial to everybody. And I think a lot of politicians are scared to talk about this because they don't want to get clipped themselves. I think they're scared. Everybody, you know, the well, Republicans next, talk about <clears throat> radical Islam. Oh, ooh, we got to be, be afraid of, of the rise of radical Islam. But you're very soft on the cartel. Which one's closer to you? Which one's more dangerous? Where's the cash coming from? Where's the cash? You're living in Arizona. I mean, I'm going to make the space for you, but I'm going to be sure if you wanted to, that kind of money is very corruptive of these governments. I mean, I'm talking about U.S. governmental agencies, mm -hmm. individual U.S. governmental officials. There's a lot of money involved here, really a mm -hmm. lot. It's so much money, in fact, that it's actually, there's so much money associated with the drug business, it's actually distorting the currency markets. And that's, that's a big market. Mm. Actually changing the value. There's so many dollars mm. flowing from the United States down into Mexico. And the way they're doing it now, say how all these new people, so they don't have to aggregate lots of money in one spot like a bank. They just got millions of people for a thousand bucks a day. And they're sending so much dollars down in there. It has to be converted to pesos when it gets there so they can spend the money and save the money. It's actually valuing up the peso to the point where it's screwing up international commerce and all the people like Professor Penn that's in business down there. It's actually perverting the markets. That's how, well, you could say it's not perverting it. It's part of the market. It's changing the value of currency. That's how big it is. Hmm. Would you say there's some drug corruption going on in Arizona? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, it's funny. Um, I was just thinking there's a parallel between um, the market for drugs and how to, you know, how do you, how do you stop the cartels? There's only fundamentally one way to stop the cartels, get people to stop buying the drugs, you know, that's <laughs> right, it. Right. And there's only one way to defeat vote by mail in the, if you live in a state where it's optional, mm -hmm. don't vote by mail. <laughs> but but what is the RNC telling us? It's right on their webpage now. Vote early. Bank the vote. They got the bank the vote project, mm -hmm. which is insanity. Why are they doing that? Oh, it's not because they're stupid. It's because they want you to bank the vote because they like the election system just the way it is. Mm. It's rigged, and if you vote early, then the Uniparty can figure out okay, how many votes do we have to manufacture through the vote by mail system, and then they do it. They manufacture them. And then the black box machines don't let you know what's going on inside them because of the, the contract that they have with the vendors. It's trade secret. It's trade secret. Um, and that's how the uh, technology. Yeah, right. And it, which is bull, complete and utter bull crap. Mm -hmm. When did counting votes become, become a, litigious, a trade secret? Yeah, a patent you know? issue. It's just counting marks on that's pieces really of paper. Funny. You know, it's ridiculous. That's funny. And so that's really funny. Um, I talked to uh, 
Robert Beatles about this when I was out visiting him. I went and he invited me to come out and speak to his group uh, about a month ago. And uh, it was at a casino. The meeting was held at a casino and uh, in Reno. And, and I said, so the software for these machines in the casinos, because everything's digitized, that has to be, that, that source code has to be reviewed by the government, right? Because otherwise, if it wasn't, who would play any of these machines? If the casino could just say, well, we can't tell you what's going on inside the machines and we can't tell the government, but put money into the machines. Right. Nobody would do it. But that's how our election system is run right now. Say that again. Explain it. Right now, when you take your ballot and put it in through a machine that has a computer inside it, the software, the source code for that software, the government can't see it. Only the vendor does. And Scott Jarrett in Maricopa County testified, I watched him testify twice under oath to two different tribunals. I really don't, he's the head of election day operations in, um, in Maricopa County. I can't really tell you what the actual results are. Only Dominion knows that. They're our contractor. I don't know what goes on inside the machines. I can't even operate the machines. I don't know how to do it. But he's the guy in charge of the elections. And so why can't we look at the source code? Because we have a contract that says we can't look at the source code, source code because it's proprietary. And um, I met Colonel John Mills, retired, uh, at uh, Eagle Council 52 uh, uh, event about a, about a week and a half ago. And he told me that by law in Virginia, every contract, every document relating to every contract with a, a county has to be made public to anybody. If that's the case, then we can get the source code perhaps in Virginia. So I haven't followed up with him yet. But if you go to a casino anywhere, the source code inside those machines has been given to the government to let them review it because they have to certify whether or not it's a fair game of chance, right? Right, But not our election software. So the That's casinos crazy. are more legitimately run than, yep. than, than the elections are. Yes, exactly. Of course exactly. they are. I have my, my new this week's revelation. My, and I did this and I talked to you about this, but I, I haven't talked to you about it. So Sunday night, because we, we had this all-Democrat victory in 2022 in Minnesota, and the first law they passed was automatic voter registration mm-hmm. when you get a driver's license, called AVR. They got an acronym for it. The second bill was, of course, illegal immigrants can get lawful Minnesota driver's licenses. So I put many hours into looking at every state, and here's what I found out. 23 states have automatic voter registration and D.C., so it's 24 polities, right? Most of of these states already have legal driver's licenses for illegal immigrants, and if they don't have it yet, like Pennsylvania just went AVR this week, I looked, they have a bill running through their Senate and their House heading towards... They're Republican... Senate and House. You're running through, and guess what? If you add up all those states, it's 285 electoral votes. How many electoral votes do you need to win the Electoral College? 270. 270. So we're going into the election. Already with the deck stacked. The deck is stacked. Yeah. And to take, and I don't want to 
this is where we get into the very fine part of messaging because I really don't want to make anyone give up. I'm, this right. is to motivate you because we can still do this. Yes, we can. But if you're in... So regardless, the, regardless, taking over the Republican Party is the first step That's to making first, sure that the elections are, that are is, secure. That is the first step. Yes. And we can do that. Yes. because we got to do that first before we get anything else solved. We right. first have to get a political party that is ours. And America Firsters don't have a political party right now. The Republican Party and, and is why part don't of the Uniparty. Why don't they? Lack of participation of conservatives. Please hit them again yeah. with this. Yeah. The, I always uh, say this. The only reason that the Republican Party is not conservative enough for complaining conservatives is because not enough of those same complaining conservatives are in the party fixing it. It's so easy to do. So easy to do. So but, if you're young and full of energy and love... And want to buy a house someday. And want to have a, and want a to have, family. Want to have a family. One, uh, you know, one person you know, being the breadwinner so you can bring up your kids and homeschool them. If you want to do all of that, get into the Republican Party and take it over. Get the young generation to take it over. It's there for the taking. And as this Free People Radio grows, we're not going to stop talking about this. Right. What's going on with, you know, turning? how big is Turning Points Initiative? I don't know how many people they have, but all they all Turning Point has done is this. And I think they, they had, finally, they had to do it because I kept on criticizing Turning Point USA and Turning Point Action. Why don't, why aren't you recruiting the kids to become precinct committeemen? Right. So what they've done now is they've put up on their page a link to every state party's website. That's it. That's about it. And then say, become a precinct committee. But now they can say, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that's what we're doing. See, the, the problem with the 501 groups, all of them, is it's not in their best business interest to recruit precinct committeemen. Because if they recruit their donors to become precinct committeemen, their donors figure out, um, hey, the real ball game is played in the political party. I should be spending my time and my money at these monthly meetings, getting it done, changing the party from within. See, if you just stay in Turning Point Action or Turning Point USA or uh, the Tea Party groups, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Freedom Works, any any of those, they're they want your money, and they'll teach you about issues, but they won't teach you about how to take over the party. Um, that's what I do. And that's what Turning Point Action oh. Turning Point Action is starting to at least address, but not to the fullest extent Dan, possible, in, 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 gonna... in my opinion. I want to work with them, but uh, they know how to get in touch with me. They've never called me. Dan, one of my greatest enemies, other than the party itself, one of your greatest enemies is the Tea Party movement in Minnesota. They are casting shade on me like you wouldn't believe. The really? Tea Party? The Tea Party. Why? Because the woman who's running it is in league with the rhinos. And she's lying to What's all What's her people. name? Oh, come on now. You know Professor Penn doesn't like to mention names. Do I have to? I don't know. Her name's Mary Amlo. Okay. And I don't think the people that follow her realize how deeply she's embedded in the Republican Party establishment. And so I'll she's not a real Tea Party person? 
I, you know what? You can't I, be a real tea she party was, person. She's been running around all over Minnesota telling stories about me, and I actually met her. It was hilarious. I went to the state central committee meeting of the Republican Party, and I went to check in. And it's like you and I walked up to the to check in. And I looked at the lady, and I said, good morning. I had no idea who she was. I'd never met her. I said, hey, how you, we're here. This is great. Right. And she says, <laughs> right. David Penn, she's looking for my name. I go, do I know you? Because I felt like I was being quite rude. I said, I'm really sorry if, I, if I'm embarrassing myself. I am David Penn. Do you know me? She goes, yeah, yes, I do. I said, have we met? She goes, no. <laughs> I said, great. I said, may I ask who you are? And she says, my name's Mary Amlo. I said, oh, it's nice to meet you. You're the woman that's been running around all over the state talking about me. Could we go out to coffee? Because I would like you to actually get a chance to meet me. And her answer was, I will never have coffee with you. Oh. So I'm always reaching out to these people because I'm going to go back to my story of our group mm -hmm. that we meet with. Mm -hmm. When I asked them, who voted for George W. Bush? And we get all these lines. Stick your hands up. Because, you know, all of us that are older have been in this kind of progressive red-pilling process. Now, I've become kind of a radical. We're really not radicals. Actually, this is how screwed up it is. <laughs> we just believe in God. We believe in the United States of America. Borders, limited ambition. Christianity was a radical idea. It was a revolutionary idea. It was a revolutionary We're in the counter-revolution right now. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Anyway, my point freedom is... is a, freedom is a rather historically radical idea. But, you know, you have people... Yeah. In a good way. Yes. In yes. a good way. Radical yeah. has been... Radical, the, the real psyop is that radical itself, the word has been deemed a dirty or or a controversial type of position. Being radical is not a, a necessarily net negative thing. You can be you can be a good radical. Yeah. It's no it's no sign of good health to be well adjusted to a sick society. Right. I wanna I wanna recommend a book, um, not mine, uh, another one. <clears throat> the Discovery of Freedom by Rose Wilder Lane. Rose Wilder Lane was homeschooled by Laura Ingalls Wilder, the writer of the Little House on the Prairie books. Mm. Rose Wilder Lane grew up in moving around with her parents and then became a writer as well. And she mm. wrote a book called The Discovery of Freedom. And it, the subtitle is, I believe, if I recall this correctly, Man's Struggle Against Authority. And what she, what she does in the book is she explains that there's a fundamental concept about free will and, and mankind, each individual. Mm. Nobody can get inside your mind and make you do anything you don't want to do. We all have free will. And, and people struggle with that. They, many people like to be told or are accepting of being told what to do. The nice thing about this book is, um, it's a, it, she wrote it right around, right around the time of World War II and the Ludwig von Mises Institute has the copyright. And it's a free PDF download at their site. I have it on my phone. Uh, I think I bought the Amazon version of it uh, a long time ago. And um, I've read it probably four or five times. Mm. It, it's that eye-opening. I recommend everybody read that book. Just say it one more time, please. The Dad. Discovery of Freedom by Rose Wilder Lane. I won't go through everything yeah. th that's in it, but she talks about 
um, first um, was Muhammad, and Muhammad preached this concept. Then, then his religion was corrupted by the written Quran, and which I think is a fairy tale because no living person who knew Muhammad wrote the Quran. It was people who came hundreds of years later and they co-opted the religion and they said just the opposite. Muhammad said, "Don't take your religious. You have a direct line between yourself and your Creator, and build that. Don't let some <clears throat> somebody tell you what you have to believe about life." and your creator. Each one of us should be doing that. And Jesus came along and said the same thing. And then, and then we fell away from that. And, and all the large churches like in Rome came into being. And then it was like, you don't have to read the Bible. We'll tell you what's in the Bible. Don't read the Bible. Yeah. We'll tell you what's in yeah. the Bible. And then the third turning was of this concept of there's no authority over the individual person was the writing of the Declaration of Independence. I knew we were heading right back to 1776. Yep. 1776. And so I have in my book the, uh, the, de the Declaration in the appendix and the Constitution, because I refer to both of them in my book. Those, If you sit down and read the Declaration in one sitting, if you haven't ever done that, please do it. Same thing with the Constitution, including the Bill of Rights. And if you just read the Bill of Rights, just that, that's an eye-opener. Read it over and over and over. I, I don't think I have them. Oh, sure I do. Um, this is my Citizen's Rule book I bought in 1994. See, it's, I've, I've read it a few times. Yeah. You know, it's the, got the Declaration in it, the Constitution, Founders yeah. Quotes, Jury Handbook. This is what a new one looks like. Here. One of those. Thank you. You yes. bet. You know, we, maybe we need to buy, I don't know, 50,000 of them yeah. for well, the, all the people that are going to come into the party now. I don't, I don't make any money on this, the sale of those. Uh, Witten Printers does. I've got it linked at my website on the helpful links page at precinctstrategy.com. They sell them for about a dollar a piece. They don't make any money on it. It was written by a guy who fought at Iwo Jima. He came back after the war started a printing company. And then in the fifties, he started to see the decline of Americanism. Mm -hmm. People weren't, people were not engaging in politics like they should be. We just fought the second world war. He put his life oh, on the line. But then we, we both know what happened is we got that permanent military establishment. Oh well, yeah. The then that, that happened as well. Safety, that happened well. So he, he, convenes. so he wrote that and I know his son who mm -hmm. is uh, the owner of Witten printers and if you call the number in the book to order, you'll probably talk to Janice, his sister, who also works there. Um, yeah, buy them in bulk. Alex Jones was buying them in bulk and putting one in anybody who bought any of his products. He'd put one of those in the box. The great Alex Jones. Yeah. An American hero. None of this, but uh, what we're saying is none of this is without, none of this is out of our control because none of it is without our consent. Exactly. All of this is with our consent. Yes, we're right. We've, we, consented, we've consented to this. this, and we've got to stop consenting and take it back. And it is just and the that first easy. step. The first step is take get, get in charge of a political party. Yeah. It's there for the taking. We need two hundred thousand of these folks listening to do the, that. Take that first step. At least give it a try. You know, like I, I podcast. I write articles. 
go this is my reconnaissance mission for you find your local republican committee meeting and go to the meeting and 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 just observe well, let me, don't let say me, anything let, and see what you see and then and then ask yourself when you're there hmm is this is these are these the people who are running the party maybe i should be helping to run this party dan i want to help a little bit sure the first step is to go to precinctstrategy.com and put an inquiry in to dan and if you're in minnesota dan will send that inquiry to me and i'm going to contact you or you could go to the royce white for senate campaign website info at roycewhite.us and then there's going to be an email a, a, a landing page there and it'll say check this box if you want to be a Royce White delegate and we are going to get in touch with you because I say to everybody in Minnesota and this makes us different than the Republicans and I mean this is really important to me Republicans use people they use them they don't care about them they don't have a community with them they view them as cannon fodder. The rhinos. The rhinos. Yes, the rhinos. And they will actually co-opt the American firsters by all, all means necessary. Any means necessary, they will hide, they will obfuscate whatever they can do to blend it. A perfect example, Tom Emmer, CD6, went all over media four months ago and touted the debt ceiling bill as the greatest cut in American <sighs> political history. Since that time, We've added over a trillion dollars of debt. I went after him. I went after him really hard, and it really stirred the pot here in Minnesota mm -hmm. because a young activist took my podcast called Lie to Me, which was about the bill, and he sent it out to about 15,000, 20,000 Republicans. And boy, the fur flew. Well, then he came out about two weeks ago, and he put in a one-page bill. And I know you read these bills like me. One page. A, outlawing the use of central bank digital currency and he went out and made a big deal about it because he knows that fighting central bank digital currency is the most important part of what we're doing here, which we're not even talking about because we're actually into the diversion. We can't get down to fighting the real fight because we need the army. Right. We need the people to come in. But he actually went out and made a big deal about he, how he was going to personally defeat the central bank digital currency. It'll never come up for a vote. It would never pass in the Senate. It would And he knows it would never pass. Oh, of course he knows it. It's complete political but, theater. Okay, let, but but in fairness, let's 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 be reasonable here. Is Tom Emmer committed like Ayanna Presley and whether or not he had the support or the pressure would still vote in the same direction? Or is Tom Emmer an opportunist who, if there was enough America first momentum, would surely fight to defeat a central bank digital currency bill. Who is Tom Emmer? Do you know who that who depends on? Can I tell you who that depends on? We the people. Precinct yeah. committee man. <laughs> That's right. Because if no, they... but I'm asking a general right, question right. about Emmer versus Presley. Is Emmer the same as Presley? She's committed. She believes in it to her bone. She will walk up on, and this is the thing about the communists and the Marxists that we got to get clear about. I mean, the the true believers. Right. These people will die for what they believe oh, in. I got one as a mother. I've watched these Antifa people. These people are willing to go into dangerous positions, dangerous places, to forward this ideology in a way that conservatives and Christians have failed to, to be. They're committed. Tom Emmer doesn't seem like he's committed to his position. He seems like a person who's going to— He's gonna, modifiable. 
Well, I mean, part of part of elective politics, look, there's two layers of being a leader in elective politics. Part of it is getting elected and representing the will of the people. And then the other side of that coin is true, genuine, inspirational leadership, transformative leadership, new ideas, creativity. There's two sides of the coin. People get people get hung up in criticizing Donald Trump and many politicians. And I think the left uses this as a way to muddy the waters around any political topic because they can always point to where a politician is trying to serve the people that he's meant to represent, which is always hard to do. And you can only serve at the height of their moral and ethical integrity, because if they don't have it, how can you speak to it when you speak to them? Right. Right. But I mean, I'm saying this from a candidate standpoint and, yeah. and, and, and you know, knowing it from a personal standpoint. You can only speak to people at a certain level with a certain amount of courage. Those of us who have really resolute principles and morals and courage, we just go at it from a position and say, I don't care if anybody likes it or not. I mean, I don't care if anybody votes for me, even the people on my side of the fence. I'm going to tell you what I think is the, what the aim should be. And, and if we can't get there, then we all fall short and we'll try again in, a, in another round when, when the next generation comes along. I mean, so there's two different forms of leadership. My my question is, who do you think Emmer is? Would Emmer, with the with the proper momentum of America First movement, genuinely get behind some of the ideas that we have, or is he in in the end would he be committed as as Ayanna is? If we had precinct committee men in Congressional District Six, right, that held him accountable and watched everything that he said and did, right. He'd become an American first or That's and that's why I'm trying to tell yeah, people. Yeah, he wouldn't have a choice. That's why I'm trying to tell people this is the power of the precinct strategy. Right. This is why winning the party back first is a step even before winning the election, the general election. Right. Because some of these people who we all have significant problems with the way that they govern and their policy approach, they can be turned. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight and watching this broadcast. This is Professor Penn bringing you an advertising interlude. We're promoting MyBookie.com. MyBookie.com is part of the Patriot economy, and nothing is more important than you supporting the Patriot economy. That's those businesses and business people that are supporting the freedom movement. That's what we're doing here, spreading freedom from coast to coast and from north to south. Now, next time you go to a game or next time you watch a game, Go to MyBookie.com and use promo code Royce and lay down a bet. Bring a little more juice to the action. Bring a little more fun, a little spring in your step. Promo code Royce. That's MyBookie.com supporting the Patriot economy, supporting all the people and all the businesses that are supporting this freedom movement. We love it. You'll love it. I love it. I've done it. I've had a great time doing it. This is Professor Penn coming to you once again for MyBookie.com promo code Royce. There'll be a little something special for you if you do it. And thank you very much. Yep. I, I think I, I said this the last time I was here. I gave this example. Um, Kevin McCarthy. Yes. Kevin McCarthy's going to cave on the debt ceiling uh, and, along with all the rest of the Republicans. It'll be a kabuki theater. In the end, they're going to cave again. Mm-hmm. Kevin McCarthy doesn't have to be there and he didn't, and he wouldn't be there if instead of in his primary in 2022, in his congressional district, very red district, he won on the, on the on, they have a jungle primary. So he got the most votes. A Democrat came in second in the jungle primary. He got 65% of the total vote. I never heard that before. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, that's what they called it over there. 
But over 75% of Republicans did not vote in the primary. 22.8% of registered Republicans bothered to vote. Mm. There were two other Republicans. I don't know who they were. I didn't bother to look them up and see what kind of guys they were. Two guys. One got 1.5%, the other got 1.5%. What if they happen to be a really good conservative, one of them, and then they had had a ground game to boost turnout of the Republicans who don't normally vote in the primary, mm-hmm. 75% of the voters, and they had reached out to those. that Because the ones who were going to vote in the primary, they had already made up their mind. They were going to vote for Kevin McCarthy probably. The cult of Kevin. Yes, yes. But the others, they didn't care. But what if they would have been made to care and been induced to care if another candidate came and said, hey, I'm calling you, one of my people is calling you, please go vote in the primary. I'm a real conservative, not fake Kevin. And we're going to drop a flyer off at your door that shows the difference between Kevin and how he sold us down the river and how, who I am. And then, and that I would never do those things. And I've never been there. So who, who's going to corrupt me? Uh, I'm running against him. This can be done because I did it for a candidate in 2016 in a, in a, a, Arizona Senate race. We won in a landslide 53 to 47 because we boosted turnout. We targeted the voters who don't normally vote in all of the precincts, we, d- we didn't actually get to do it in every precinct because we didn't have enough people. But in the precincts where we had enough people, we boosted turnout sufficiently to take out the incumbent rhino. That's how you do it. But you got to have people who are willing to do it. And we, I didn't ask anybody to do more than three hours, one hour worth of phone calls to those households that had the lower information, lower propensity voters. And then it took about two hours to drop the flyers off at those households. And I explain it all in a video that's at my website on the blog page. It's the last video, 15-minute narrated PowerPoint. It's easy to do. We're going to do that for you in your primary, Yes. and you're going to win. And then that'll lay the groundwork for everything else in the general. But let's do it again so, in let, the general. But let me also say this, because... How powerful... What, one second. Let, Go ahead. I just want to add this. Yes. The Democrat has had this kind of digital media advantage to themselves since about when? 2008, six? Yeah, Obama. Republican, the conservative. We were not, our side, particularly the America First side, which is suppressed incredibly Mm -hmm. within the context of the mainstream media. Yeah. I mean, nobody's asking me to show up on MSNBC. You know, we have our own communications platform now. So I'm going to say again, I'm going to just tell a story. I got a text this morning from a gentleman who you've met who has been coming to our meetings. His name is Ryan Ness, and he's running for Minnetonka City Council. And he sent me a text this morning. He said, I'm running for city council. Thank you, Professor Penn. You're the reason why I'm doing it. Fantastic. I mean, that's a real uplifter. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what what we have also now in this communication is, yeah, we're going to knock on your door. We want you to come to the physical meeting. We want to know you, but we're going to know you right here. This is a community. We are in the free people of America community. You're hearing us. There's nothing stopping the hundred or 200,000 people that are going to hear this 
and hopefully in a year it'll be a million or two million people because we're going to keep building this engagement. We have the social media reach now to communicate with millions and millions of people. Yeah. And I, I, of those <clears throat> millions of people, who's going to step up and help us operate the Republican Party? Yeah, I want to get a T-shirt that says, I became a precinct committeeman before becoming a precinct committeeman was cool. Because it is cool. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's very fulfilling mm. to go to that monthly meeting and see all these other people. Some are rhinos. Now at, at my meeting, the ones who show up, oh, there might be five or six rhinos that are there. Everybody else. 50, 60, 70 people, depending upon how many show up. Usually we get about 50% to show. Are people like me, they're, they're conservatives. And, um, and that makes me feel really good that we've shifted the balance of power because it used to be about 50, 50. Mm. And now because of Donald Trump and the people that I've been able to recruit with the help of Bannon and others, the platforms that I've been on, but especially Bannon. can't tell you how many people come up and say, when are you going to be on Bannon again? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, he was, the reason I'm here is because I saw you on Steve Bannon. Yeah. Bannon's been an incredible help to the precinct committee and strategy. And I know he's had many others on, like Steve Stern. He had some, mm -hmm. some people from Texas who were doing a resolution. I yeah. haven't even been able to had time to check out that website. Um, you got, we, when we get organized and united and we've got the numbers, mm -hmm. the only thing holding us back right now is we don't have enough numbers. We've got the communications and collaboration It's got to be Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, Donald Trump, he's endorsed the precinct committee Mom, strategy, yeah, if it, but he, if doesn't, he doesn't talk about it. Yeah. I want him to start but talking it about it. Does, he doesn't even need to. Yes, talking about it would help too. Yeah. But just if his social media team would work, precinctstrategy.com oh. as a directive into their daily, weekly yeah. regimen of social media posting, Yeah, we'd be in a whole, I mean, it, it, the issue would be solved. Well, yeah. no, no, this is, let's stop now. Just take a break because we all saw what happens when you don't have the party with you right? and you get into a tough scrape. Because when he needed the party to stand up for him in Georgia. Right, where, in where were they? Nowhere. Because... It's a uniparty right it now. It wasn't his party. Yeah. Well, he didn't. Uh, but exactly. He, didn't, he had the it, chance to build it. Right. It was an unforced error. Yeah. And I, I I wrote this book in 2017 for Donald Trump. It mm -hmm. was a directive to him. You've got if you if you 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 know I could have written the title differently, but it was to help Donald Trump make America great again. The real ball game of politics, where you live, and then I laid out essentially this, the party's at half strength. It's ideologically split. It doesn't have to be. And if a candidate fills up all the slots, then he changes the party and he, he gets elect elected. The, he gets and elected. And he can elect the RNC chair. And that too, that too. Which is a big help. That too. But you change the RNC, then they, they elect somebody who supports the president, unlike our current RNC well, chair. Well, perfect example for you. Let's say you get the endorsement and you're the Republican Party endorsed candidate for Senate in Minnesota, mm -hmm. they're not going to give you a penny. Oh, the the GO, the, the RNC, GOP? the RNC. Oh, the RNC nationally. Not a penny. Of course. Yeah. Not right. a penny. Right. They would prefer to see, and I told you this, I was told by a very active person in the party. They like Amy Klobuchar. They don't, yeah. We, it, no, 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 seriously, this is a Republican yeah. in the party. It would be a shame if Amy Klobuchar was even challenged. 
because she does so much good for Minnesota. That's the thinking of these people. This is what we're dealing with. Yeah. And it's not just here. It's across the country. Yeah, absolutely. Although Minnesota is, is a, you know, look, the 10, and I, 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 I've said to many people, you overlook the 10 votes here, you do it at your own peril. Because this is going to be, this is going to be a nail biter. No matter how, and we're, and to be honest, we're going to need a surprise state in the 12th hour. Oh, yep. We're going to need a surprise state in the 12th hour that does something that nobody expects. They're talking about the Californians, the, the America First Californians. They know that their legislature, they're never going to probably be able to elect their a new legislature, although they may be able this election cycle. Some of them are telling me that they think if Trump gets the nomination, California's going to vote for Donald Trump. Voted for Ronald Reagan? Yeah. Right, right. Not that long ago right, for you and right, me. Right, Pete Wilson, Duke Majin. It wasn't that Schwarzenegger ran as a conservative, you know? Nixon. Um, oh, of course. Right. All yeah. the way back. Right, right. Schwarzenegger That's, won. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Or they, they didn't and turn then, out good. And then they impeached Gray Davis. Uh, they impeached Rose uh, Bird, I think was her name, the Supreme, their Supreme Court justice. Californians can get together sometimes and do great things, but uh, and then they may be doing it this election well, cycle. This, this goes but, back into the Minnetonka story because we had a carjacking here two weeks ago that got national news coverage, right? Because, of course, as I told you, I was pissed off when they stood up and said, how can this happen in our neighborhood, which was very racist. But beyond that, 500, I mean, Minnetonka, where we are right now, Yep. this is the center of the uni party, the center. This, this town runs on climate change, social equity, and democracy. That, that, you know, this is where we're at here. This is, and this is my line of country. This is where I am. And 500 citizens showed up, and they were out of their minds about this crime. Just out of their minds about it. And the people that showed up, these were not America Firsters. Mm-hmm. So people are starting to feel the, the blowback from their own political positions. And, of course, if it affects them, mm. yeah, it is kind of an opportunity. Well, look, look at the George Floyd incident. Again, this, is, this was such a canary in the coal mine in terms of the political narrative and the political dichotomy, the perceived positions of the political spectrum. All of these, all of these Democrats... You know they they uh they're all they're all anti police. They're all we got to get rid of the police. But then they want to fund the federal government even more. Like in your wildest imagination, I mean, let's say let's even say they defund the police for a round to 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 win over or appease your democratic vote. Any any regime that's willing to censor people and use lawfare is going to eventually tilt back towards a police state. Oh, because yeah. somebody's going to have to come in and enforce whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. Right. The Democrats are not on on mass. They are not a defund the police movement. They had a defund the police signal to try and appease and and promote or message to all the people who are fed up or or worried about the tyranny of policing. Oh, but it's such a tight. And, and it's they, such a and they tight tricked. U- they tricked a lot of people in, in in that sense. But it's such a tight uni party. Now we're getting to the heart of the uni party. Mm-hmm. How it works, because as the politicians that were portraying the need for defund the police, there was a counter movement of Republican Party. Back to blue. Back to blue. Back to blue. Back to blue, which tears the communities apart. 
prevents community reconciliation and allows the establishment to continue to divide and conquer. I mean, let's, and let's think about this back to blue thing for a minute. And it's the same thing with the military. The real signal from the noise and where this country is, like you said on Wednesday, the Supreme Court, okay, that's always a real signal that we should be watching, goes unspoken, under, under acknowledged by your common American citizen. The health of the Supreme Court, I mean the actual health of yes. the Supreme Court justices. Right. <clears throat> and, and the overall you know, spirit of, of, uh, or, or impulse of the military and the police. And as I see it, one, the, the Supreme Court is okay, healthy. If they clip Clarence Thomas, it's on. There ain't no fuck around. It's time to go. It, it's on. The military, though, and the police being a, 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 a group, a demographic that, that accepted vaccination at upwards of 80% is a real canary in the coal mine. I mean, it, you know, if our military and our police are not willing to stand up for their own health, what chance do we have for them to stand up for ours? Well, yeah, and I'm I'm a West Point grad, and so I'm uh, I'm uh, on a in a oh biweekly um, it varies mm-hmm. uh, uh, Zoom call with a bunch of guys who are class of sixty thereabouts, you know they're and they see what's going on at the service academies, and there's two things that are just tearing the service academies apart and um and then also it's infiltrating down into the army the navy the air force the coast guard mm. and it's um diversity equity and ex- inclusion uh, west point just came out and announced that oh we're you can get a minor now as a cadet you have a major and a minor you're you can have to do a uh, have a minor studies uh in diversity equity and inclusion Give me a break. And, and, and at then, West Point. At West Point, and then, uh, and then, uh, Jesus. and now they want to they want to change the honor code mm. to being an aspirational honor code, not like it is. A cadet will not lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do. Boom. That's it. You do not lie. You do not cheat. You do do not steal. Well, they've had some honor scandals recently involving football players they let them not now they oh well uh you you might have to leave for three or four months and then we'll talk about it with you and then and then they let they they will let them back in because they're football players uh if you're not a football player you may not get that kind of a break mm-hmm. it, it can't be at you know there a is a as ayn rand said a is a the, the law of identity you either tell the truth or you're not telling the truth. Yeah. It's that simple. And so that's those two things are happening in the service academy and academies and we're trying to pressure the powers that be but a lot of these generals the reason they become generals is because it's a political position. And if they go they, and they went along with Obama and they went along with the Bushes, the colonels coming up the ranks. Think of this. If I was the commander in chief there wouldn't be rules of engagement when we go to war where, well, if there's a, a small child or, a, or, or somebody who looks like a woman near the side of the road and you think that that thing, that little hump there is a, is a 
IED. Maybe an IED. IED, yeah. Or that she's carrying it. Can't fire on them. Can't you, you first? You got to get you know approval to, before you can do anything. Uh, uh-uh. uh. That's not how you know. Rush Limbaugh used to say, you know, what what's the purpose of of the armed forces? It's to break things and kill people to win the war. War is messy, and but and then because of those IEDs, why look at what look at what we see on television? Yeah. The wounded warriors, for example, those horrific injuries. Every single one of those horrific injuries that these guys and gals um, suffered from these IEDs was completely preventable. But the general, but well, because the generals went along and said, oh, uh, so, so we can't fire on anybody if they, if they look like they're a woman, uh, you know, um, oh, okay. Well, instead of saying, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Obama, President Obama, I can't give those kind of orders. I'm, I'm resigning my commission. Not, not one general did that. Right. Not, not one. Right. And I knew some of them. Uh, one of them was in my squad when, I won't say his name, but he went along with it. He was in charge in Afghanistan near the end. He went along with it. Um, I hope I don't ever meet him in person again because I'm going to read him the riot act. Why did you, why did John, why did you do that? Why did you do that? You know, you should have known better. His dad was a general too, West Point grad as well. And so the, our military is not what it used to be. And it, of course, it's, it's been decimated. How are we going to change that? We got to elect better people. How are we going to elect better people? First step, get in charge of a political party. Yes. Step up to the plate, three-hour commitment, three hours a month. That's all it takes. And it hasn't changed since I, I've got a graphic that shows the pie chart, you know, circle, line down the middle, on one side are the precinct committeemen, 100,000 conservatives, 100,000 uh, not, n- not, not 100,000 conservative America firsters and 100,000 others. Moderates. Ryan, rhinos, mm-hmm. moderates. And then the other half of the circle is vacant. You fill up the 200,000 vacancies with America firsters, they join with the conservative America firsters. Now it changes everything. That circle with the lines on it, the 200,000 vacancies and of the 400,000 slots has not changed since I became a precinct committeeman in 2007. We have made no progress. No, now we have in some places and we've made some great progress in some states, especially those states like Kansas, uh, Colorado, Nebraska, Michigan, Christina Caramo. Mm-hmm. They changed the balance of power. They got enough people to become precinct, I think they're called precinct delegates in Michigan, to come in and then go to that state convention. I think they call it a convention. We call ours a meeting, um, organizational meeting. And they elected Christina Caramo, and she was either her or Matt DiPerno were going to win in the end because no matter how many candidates you had, somebody eventually has to get 50% plus one and 50% plus one and more were conservative precinct delegates at that meeting. That's how you change the party. Mm-hmm. And so we can do it. We've had successes, but we got to have huge successes in this election cycle. Or I, I, I say this at the end of every one of my podcasts. I can't guarantee you that if we fill up all these vacancies, we're going to magically save the Republic. I can't, my crystal ball is not that good, but I'm, my crystal ball is very good 
on the flip side. If we don't do that as a first step, we're going to lose the republic because we're just going to keep electing uniparty rhinos who are going to sell us down the river like they've been selling us down the river, and we're going to go right into hardcore socialism, and you ain't going to like it. I don't even have to ask. Our good friend Professor Penn here is all for truth commissions. I would I would venture to guess that you may be more of, of the, the military tribunal uh, variety for some of these people who have been involved in some of these these scams. Yes, treason is still on the books. And uh and well, they said he was a till of the hind. And, and, and there's no statute of limitations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And for and for example, did John we have, we Milley, have, did, did John Milley commit treason when he went behind Donald Trump's back and talked to China? I believe so. Yes. Based on what I know of the facts that are presented that we've all read, yes, I believe that was treasonous. I have a question for your next visit. We're not gonna have time today. Okay. I'm not gonna be throwing shade on Dan by saying he's a attorney. We talk a lot about the precinct committee man strategy. That's a political strategy, but we have another huge problem in the country, which is the lawyers. Yeah, absolutely. The third branch of our government, most of these guys did not go to West Point. Right. Right? Right. They lack a certain kind of sacred honor. Yeah. And one of the things, I, I have two unanswered questions, and I know we don't have the time. We'll have Dan back, I hope. Of course. I have two areas that I really would like to get on the table is ongoing ideological investigation. Number one, what do we do with these universities? Really, it's the same question. Let's leave, let, let's leave the lawyers out of it. What do we do with our universities? They're on the payroll of the government for, I don't know, about $400 billion a year of direct governmental grant for research. The whole thing is a giant... Is it within the, is it within the scope of executive powers to, to, um, to make certain... To pressure the universities oh. at a nationwide level? Um, with the funding? Yeah, of course, because if it's anything... It's executive. a matter of national security right. to let the, oh, well, the, 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 the universities tilt Marxists and, and oh. communists in this, in this nature. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. that's why we're yeah. talking about West Point. We're saying the last bastion of an American education is now offering a minor in diversity, in Marxism. equity, and in inclusion. Marxism. That's Let's correct. just say it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. There is no diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's just Marxism. Yeah, I've I've got um, keep talking. I'll, I'll, I'll I want to reference you, something you, on my could, phone. Could the could the president? Could the executive uh, office, executive branch, um, executive orders pass certain executive orders can that, be reversed? What's needed is a Congress in the budgeting process, which you're watching the mm -hmm. warp and woof right mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. with certain nationalist politicians being painted as extremists when all they're asking for is an accounting of the money that's going into these agencies. Let's actually take it the way it's supposed to be, appropriation bill by appropriation bill, and they're being painted as crazies, extremists, mega-extremists, yeah. mega-extremists. Don't count, don't count the money. Don't, don't, uh, don't talk about the facts. We don't want to know the facts. Don't question the cash. Yeah. Don't get in the way of our scam. We don't want to know the facts. It's better for us. Well, if, the American if the people don't are. seem to want to know. Yeah. It's actually an extremist position to say. I think the American people don't know what they don't know. They just we just culturally assume every that everything American works right. Every American citizen watching this knows they have to balance their checkbook. Every single one knows. No, they don't. They can't deficit. They, it's bad. They don't know to know that. Oh come on, really? Most of them are in credit card and student debt. Of course, but they're they, going to run out. Uh, There's uh, a uh, limit. To, according to who? 
of course they're not going to let them run out. They're going to give them just enough bread and circuses to keep them occupied. They're not going to run out. They're not going to let... That's what COVID was. COVID was the stress test to see. Yeah, to see what they could get away with. To see what they could get away yeah. with. And they got away with we it. We could let you run out Big of money. Time. And then we'll... People think that the, the, the real weapon was the virus. The real weapon was to be able to shut everything down and see how much money you could give people not to storm the castle. Yep. We gave you a little bit. We give you a... We, you know, no rent. You don't got to pay your rent, right? Everybody got a, a reprieve. The real estate guys, they didn't take a hit in the end because we just printed it from the treasury. Yep. And 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 the and the game goes on. You know, a suppository from the monopoly printing machine, and the game goes on, and the people are content. So people don't really know they got to balance their their checks. So then, what you're saying is, is that the destruction of the currency is baked into the cake because of the profligate nature of the individual citizen. Right. Well, then we better start ministering to that right now. Right now. On this I, podcast, I right this minute. If you want to be free, mm-hmm. balance your checkbook. Yes. I, on my podcast, I tell people to cut their, Tanner, I called Tanner, our producer, cut your credit cards up. He doesn't have any. I, I got rid of all my credit cards. Yeah. I'm carrying cash. I'm writing checks. This is another one. Point and click. Paying online. I don't do it. I got people think I'm crazy because I, I don't let anybody in my company. The credit do that. and the interest is crazy. The the interest rate from the bank alone is a, is a, is is un-American. Yes, I mean it really is of a of a real globalist kind of bank cartel nature. It's just I, I destroying the, all yeah. of the independent the interest rate, in the country. That's something that the president, with his executive powers, could put a could put a cap on the interest rates for credit cards. Mm-hmm. There's no way they should be thirty percent. How about the interest rates being charged to American business? Oh yeah, that too. Which, the but I mean, even down to the individual citizen level, right? The businesses that's you mean day 30, one. You mean thirty three? Day thirty, we can get down to individual credit cards. We're not going to let you guys charge them thirty percent interest. That's crazy. Five percent. Crazy. Five percent interest. Some some hardliners would say no interest. Interest is a. I've said that. Yeah. How can you charge interest to poor people? That's a. To use one of your words, it's an infomnia. It is. I agree. I mean, it is in the old book. You can't charge poor people for interest or charge or make money on the food you feed them because they're poor. Yeah. Instead, we got that system inverted. Another inverted. In fact, kind of the whole system's inverted. And who would be interested in inverting a system? I mean, if, if the revolutionary is Christ, which is what you were saying earlier, started with Muhammad, talked about Jesus Christ, and then we went to 1776, a certain relationship between man and God. Yes. Who would want to invert a system like that? I'm just asking. If you want to name any names, Royce, since you put me out for Mary Amlo, would you like to name any names on who would be interested in inverting this system? Uh, I would I would go to name names, but we'd be here forever. How about one name? Satan. There you go. Uh, that's what exactly what my answer was going to be. <laughs> Satan. Thank you, because I figure I owed you one back on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, we appreciate it, man. We've been here for about an hour and a half. We always love having you here in the studio. Come back anytime, anytime you're free. Okay. Nothing more important than the precinct strategy. I think we may name the the episode "Save the Republic" with the precinct strategy, because I think people, you know, people are. They've been trained weird to look at titles and and not really gravitate towards certain things. And and we got to make sure that people understand the, the gravity of what we're talking about here. You want to change the Republican Party? Just do it. 
Hey, it's Roy, open. Royce, I have to say in closing, okay. what Dan doesn't know, which Professor Penn has learned, mm -hmm. your crew is a young and muscular crew. Mm -hmm. You know, when I have my own thing going on, it's a little mellow. Your group, I think we can get your group out in the streets to do some work. Me too. I agree. God willing. God willing. God willing. Inshallah, as, the, as, our, as our Arabic brothers would say. Um, Dan, tell us where we can find the book. Tell us the title of the book again, where to find the book. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I wanted to give you something else. Okay. Gifts. The most powerful office in the world is not the President of the United States. This is a pamphlet that Phyllis Schlafly's group, the Eagle Forum, produced a long time ago. And I spoke at their group. And I condensed it down into this recruitment flyer. Sorry, mm -hmm. there's a coffee stain on there. That's all good. Um, but, um, you know, and it, at the top it says action by doing versus inaction by talking. And if you really want to change things, you got to act, not mm -hmm. just talk. Mm -hmm. So uh, my little book and my site, um, you can get the book through my site, precinctstrategy.com. Everything that you need is there. It's uh, the communications and collaboration platform is there. Why and how to become a precinct committeeman is explained. How to find your local committee is there. I've got information for all 50 states, uh, something that's good in all 50 states, even Massachusetts. But all I've got for Massachusetts is one phone num number to a woman who goes by Chainsaw Sue. And she's a chainsaw <laughs> lady, chainsaw artist. She's in Massachusetts. She's, she's escaped England to come to Massachusetts mm. with her husband 20 years ago, and they became citizens. And now she realizes, oh my God, we escaped England because of socialism, and now we've, it's coming here. I got to do something. So she saw me in a war room and, and got involved. But everything you need is at precinctstrategy.com. Thanks. Dan Schultz, an American hero, the great Professor Penn. We look forward to the Professor Penn podcast on Tuesdays, Tuesdays and, Thursdays, and Thursdays, 9 p.m. Central. And the great Senator Royce White, inshallah. Inshallah, yeah. Um, please call me crazy, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You know what time we're going. The Hebrews podcast is coming soon. The Last Renaissance podcast with myself and A.J. Barker is coming soon. Our good Catholic brother and teacher at a uh, very Catholic private school. I won't say the school, but... But uh, A.J. Barker's a, a good good Catholic comrade and teaching, teaching the young men here in the Twin Cities. And Jonathan Mason, hopefully, uh, with the podcast right over the top, another good comrade. Um, we're, building a, we're building an alliance. It's coming. It's moving. If you build it, they shall come. It's moving. So uh, I'm happy to be able to let you tell the people about the precinct strategy. It's very important. Please go to precinctstrategy.com, become a precinct committeeman, Help us save the Republic, change the Republican Party, purge the rhinos. What else am I missing? Ah, <laughs> the fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed. Thank you. Thank you.